thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. It's so good to be with so many of you here in the room. I want to say a big shout out to those of you watching us online and in Hagley and Rowley and Clibbury as well. We are so uh, just thrilled to be able to connect with you guys. And I don't know whether you can think back to uh, when you had a relationship with someone and the start of that relationship, like the start of relationships is always great, isn't it? Because it's quite exciting and it's new and you don't know yet that they snore and leave the toilet lid up. Women. And, and you just don't know those things, okay? Uh, and as the relationship goes on, there's a moment in the relationship when you all need to have one of these, which is DTR, define the relationship. Anyone ever had any of those conversations, define the relationship? I had a friend of mine once, and um, bless him, like he was desperate to start a family and wanted to be married and have kids, and um, that's fine. But on the first date with a girl, as they're sat on the, in the restaurant, one of his first questions was this, how many kids do you want? Didn't go well, all right? It's too early for that kind of, rela- for that kind of question. But there comes a moment when you've got to define the relationship and there'll be phrases like this, it's not you, it's me. You understand that you ever had that one? It's not you, it's me. Or I'm just not sure where this relationship is going. Or I think we want different things. And all of those kind of phrases are around relationships to define the relationship question. The reality is your relationship with God also has times where you have these kind of conversations to define the relationships like where are we going, what's happening. And often it can be in tough times when we have those kind of conversations. And um, we're looking at this whole invitation that Jesus gave us. And in our world of uncertainty, and it is so uncertain right now, we're declaring every single week that there is some certainties. And week one, we declared this. Certainty number one, every day is an invitation from Jesus to follow Him. You can be certain on that, okay, that whenever you wake up, Jesus is inviting you that day to follow Him. But certainty number two, every day is an opportunity to deepen our relationship with Him. It's not that He's just wanting you to be part of a religious system, but God wants to know you. God wants to deepen His relationship with you every single day. And then last week we looked at certainty number three. Every day is a chance to change the life of someone. And when you and I follow long enough, we evidence that we're followers of Jesus by the clothes that we wear and by the choices that we make. And if you remember last week with all the t-shirts that I had here, it's only a week ago, uh, we looked at putting on these garments of gentleness and compassion and kindness. And I have to be totally honest in the cinema yesterday, when we were with Simeon and there was a whole meltdown and there was, it was, honestly, it was like going back to three years ago. There was kids being thrown out by police officers. Simeon was having a meltdown. I lost my head a little bit. I have to be honest, I spoke to somebody that, and I definitely was not wearing the garments of gentleness and patience and needed to, oh God, I've just spoken about that. So you and I know that it's a difficult challenge, isn't it? But actually, it's a challenge that Jesus invites us to every single day. And when we mess up, He doesn't say, that's it, you're done. The relationship's over. He invites you to keep following Him. But you know, in the following, Jesus had not just the disciples, but He had a whole bunch of people, a massive crowd of people following Him. And, they were, and the relationship was going great and everyone was loving it. But then Jesus brought them to a point where he began to look at this, which I call the fine print. 
And you need to read the fine print on everything that you buy, don't you? Do you know what I mean? And, and, and some of old fu- funny fine print things that I love. Um, a digital outdoor antenna, okay? And on the box, it said this. Do not attempt to install if drunk, pregnant or both. Which is a little bit concerning. And then iPod shuffle. Anyone remember the iPod shuffle? Some of you young people haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. On the box, do not eat iPod shuffle. I mean, what iPod shuffle looks like you want to eat it anyway. A child size Superman costume, again, on the labelling. Wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. Need just to put that in there. And then the final one, a Dremel, Dremel, I don't know how you say that, electric drill. This product not intended for use as a dental drill in human or veterinary medical application. I mean, we're so stupid, aren't we? That someone's got to put on a drill. Don't put that huge drill in your mouth. But it's the fine print that makes all the difference. And as Jesus' group of followers are growing and they're excited about the relationship, Jesus begins to talk to them about the fine print of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And that brings us to certainty number four, which is this. Every day is a choice to follow and some days that's harder than others. And I want to be really, I've thought and prayed. In fact, I was in the room there this morning, Alison came in and I said, I just feel like this is quite a heavy message. And so we prayed together because sometimes, you know, we all kind of want to say things that are going to make people think, woo, and it's great. But sometimes we also need to say stuff which is not like that, but is really true. And that's the kind of message that I think God wants to talk to us about today. You see, some days it's really hard following Jesus. I want to be really honest. And if you're not a Christian yet, and so many people have signed up for Alpha, which is amazing. We start Alpha tomorrow night, which is January the 31st, if you're watching later on. It's not too late to sign up. You can do that. Go to our website and sign up. But so many people are asking questions about beginning the journey of following. And I want to be really clear. You don't need to believe anything. You don't need to know anything. You don't need to do anything. You can just follow Him. But the longer you follow Him, you also need to understand it costs to follow Jesus. There are some days it's really hard. And I get a lot of my spiritual um, kind of ideas and thoughts from films, believe it or not. And this film, I love this film years and years ago, old Tom Hanks film with Gina Davis, A League of Their Own. He's a baseball uh, coach of a women's baseball team. And he's doing these drills one day. And Gina Davis says, this is so hard. This is so hard. And he says this, of course it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it were easy, everybody would do it. Hard is what makes it great. And if you're finding today that your relationship with Jesus right now feels hard, maybe it's because it's supposed to. Because hard is what makes it great. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at what I call the truth about tough times. On my way over uh, this morning, I was just videoing a little bit about truth. And you know, again, that other film, you can't handle the truth. What film's that from? Few good men, Jane Sargent, Lord, right in the middle there, bang, look at that, razor sharp this early on a Sunday morning. If you can't handle the truth, and we can't handle the truth these days. And there's a word called um, truthiness. You can look it up, it's an actual defined word now. And truthiness literally means this if it feels right, it could be true for you, even if it's not. That's not truth. The truth is sometimes the truth is hard. And you see, we live in a culture right now where if something doesn't feel good, 
In other words, it doesn't feel good, therefore it can't be good, therefore it can't be true. But sometimes we've got to understand, truth doesn't always feel great, but it's, it's hard. But it's the hard that makes it great if it's true. And we're going to look a little bit today at the truth about tough times. You see, I believe that many, many Christians, and in this season, I'll talk about that in a moment. I believe many, many Christians, it's been so hard following Jesus that they've stopped. We've just quit. And we quit just before we get to the gold. We quit just before we get to the treasure. We quit just before we get to the depths of what God wants for us. We quit way too soon. And this is the scenario, I want you to think about this. John chapter six, that's where we're gonna go in a minute. And Jesus has got all of these bunch of people, not just the disciples, but loads of other people, they're following him and everything is great. And John chapter six starts with the feeding of the 5,000, which wasn't 5,000, says 5,000, but that's 5,000 men. It was probably like 20,000 plus. It's a miracle of provision. And then Jesus walks on the water. That's cool, isn't it? So all of the guys are following him and the girls and they're following him and they're going, this guy is great. Like he does miracles with fish and, and bread and walks on water. This is amazing. What a great relationship. We'll follow this guy. And then Jesus starts saying, are you only following me because of what I can do for you? Or does it go deeper than that? Is the reason that you're a follower of mine just because of the sensational and the spectacular or does it go deeper than that? And he begins to teach about what it really means. He begins to lay out the fine print. And this is their reaction in John chapter 6. On hearing it, that's the teaching, many of his disciples says, this is a hard teaching. (laughs) You see, Jesus is starting to teach about taking up your cross and following Him and the cost and the hard and all of that stuff. Who can accept it? And at that point, maybe many of us will say, oh, I've gone a bit too far and and, and let's do another miracle. But it doesn't do that. Jesus pushes even deeper. And then it it says this a few few verses later, from this time, many of His disciples turned back and no longer followed Him. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And I'm not talking about whether you go to church or not or whether you watch us online or not. I'm talking about whether every day of your life is a pursuit following Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Many just turned back and didn't follow him. And then there's a really profound question that Jesus asks his 12, his core guys, and he asks them this question. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Now, let's just pause for a moment. Let's bring it up to date. What he's really saying is, you don't want to press unfollow, do you? Because we can do that on social media, can't we? Anyone done that to anyone? I've lots of times done that. No, not going to follow you anymore. Bang, easy. And he's saying to the 12, do you want to press unfollow again? Has it got too hard for you to follow is actually the truth about tough times this, that the minute you hit that tough time that's too hard, you'd rather press unfollow than press through. Hmm. And I know that following Jesus is really hard when you hit tough times, okay? I, I, I caught these three T's. When you hit trouble, when you hit transition, and when you hit temptation. So when you hit trouble, it's really hard. 
But when you hit transition, and we're in a season of transition right now, aren't we? And many people during COVID and all of this dislocation and disruption and interruption, it's been a transition series and many followers of Jesus have stopped following, whereas many other people have started following, which is so exciting. But many people have stopped. They've just got too disconnected. They've just found other things. It's just got too hard. You know, following Jesus, guys, is difficult. It will cost you something at some point in your fellowship. It may cost you a relationship, which you know is not the right relationship for you in terms of what Jesus would want for your life. It could cost you an opportunity. It could cost you some popularity. It could cost you some friendship. It will cost you to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, come on guys, are you gonna press on follow too? And then Simon Peter says this, this is so profound. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Like it is tough, it is hard. Where else are we gonna go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Isn't that incredible? It's like, well, okay, it's tough following you, Jesus, but if it's not you, who else? Guys, if it's not Christianity, where else are you gonna go? If you can't answer that question, don't press on follow until you can. If you cannot answer the question, not Jesus, not Christianity, but this, if you can't answer that, I want to encourage you and urge you, do not press on follow. Just keep following, even with your doubts, even with your concerns, even with your questions, even with your angst, just keep following Him. You see, life doesn't make much sense at times, but without God, it kind of makes sense even less sense, doesn't it? And Peter's saying, I don't really understand all this hard teaching that you're giving right now and it's difficult, but if it's not you, who else are we gonna follow? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. It might be tough, it might be difficult, but there's only you. And I love that, it's so, so powerful. And then there's a key verse coming up in Luke 9 as well. And this is where I want to kind of dwell for a little bit. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Woohoo! No amen there, is there? Like, yes, let's take up the cross daily. Who's excited about that? Like nobody. Because we know that the cross was a symbol of death. And it was a symbol of difficulty. And it was a symbol of of pain and hardship. And Jesus says, lean in a little bit. You want to follow me? That's what it looks like. Okay, loads of people backing away. And I tell you, in our culture, if it feels hard, it can't be good. We hear that so many times. And it's not just the younger generations, although there is a generational feel there. It's now, I think, migrating to every generation. This marriage doesn't feel good. Let's get out. This relationship doesn't feel good. Let's get out. This church doesn't feel good. Let's get out. This friendship doesn't feel good. Let's get out. Why? Because we can't, we can't handle the truth. That on the other side of tough, there's treasure if we stay there long enough. 
And what I want to do is, is I want to take you to three ideas that I found in a book called Not a Fan, which is a book written by a guy called Kyle Eidelman. It's a great book. And he's the one that introduced to me this whole idea of fan or follower. And in that book, he brings out um, an interaction that Jesus has in one of the chapters of Luke with three different people. And I think it brings a real key focus for us. And I want to just share this with you. So the first one is this. It's got this word of wherever, but what about there? So the call to follow Jesus is a call to follow Him wherever, including there. So let's look at the Scripture, Luke chapter 9, um, verse 57 and 58. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Like, no restriction, wherever you go. And Jesus says, "Mm, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head, which sounds to me like a riddle. But basically He's saying this, you're saying wherever, but do you really mean it? Because what about there? You see, to follow Jesus isn't just about coming to church on a Sunday or watching online. Following Jesus includes how you are in your home. What about there? How you are in your workplace. What about there? How many of us justify greed by calling it ambition? How many justify not sharing our faith at work by calling it, I'm just being kind and tolerant and I don't want to be blah, blah, blah. How many of us justify that? And actually Jesus says, when you follow me, it's got to include everywhere, even there. What about when you're behind the wheel in the car? What about when you're at the football match? What about when you're in the cinema yesterday? Fail like me. It got to include everywhere. What about there? And I think what happens for you and I is that we often get sucked into a lot of our cultural ideas, like, like consultants are great, okay? And we value consultants as a church. And if you're a consultant, you're great too. But consultants give advice. People have to make the decision. Isn't that right? So consultants give you advice, but you have to make the decision. A guy called Larry Osborne, he wrote this. I love this. Now, a consultant is someone whose wisdom we highly value and listen to. But at the end of the day, we make the final decision. That's why they're called consultants. Here's the problem. God doesn't do consulting, never has, never will. He does God. (laughs) And when we treat Him as a consultant, He simply stops attending the meetings. And when you and I say, oh, follow you, God, anywhere but not there, we're treating Him like a consultant. And when we treat him like a consultant, he stops attending the meetings. Why? Because he doesn't do consulting. He does God. And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, a fan is fickle, but a follower is forever. Wherever it includes there. Secondly, secondly, (laughs) and I love this, whenever, what about now? Because we say, Lord, I'll follow you whenever. Okay, what about now? Look at the scripture, Luke chapter 9 again. He said to another man, follow me. Can you hear, see, hear how many times he's saying, follow me? But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, if you're reading this and you're new to faith, okay, you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's so harsh and so unkind. It doesn't mean what you think it means, all right? Let's just look into the culture and the context a little bit. In a Jewish culture, when a son says, first let me go and bury my father, his dad is not dead at home in the house, okay? He's not, that's not what it means. It's a phrase in Jewish understanding and it literally means this, when my parents eventually die, 
then I'll get back to you. They're not dead. And Jesus knows that. Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. He's basically saying, listen, you're playing your bets here, which is what so many Christians do. You're keeping things open. You're keeping your options open. You're basically waiting till when your parents die, because maybe at that point, maybe to follow Jesus means that they would be offended by that and you don't want that. So you want to keep them happy. Or maybe it means that when they die, the business is coming to you and then you're going to look business or follow Jesus and you're going to have options. That's what's going on here. And Jesus is saying to you and I, I'm calling you to follow me now, now in this moment, whenever, what about now? That's what Jesus is meaning when He said, let the, the, the dead bury their own dead. He means, listen, you're trying to keep your options open, but if you wanna be a follower through the tough times, it's got to be whenever, and that's got to include now. And I think the invitation of Jesus is an RSVP and the response date is now. You get that? You know when you get an RSVP and you've got to respond by a certain... I'm terrible at those. If you've ever invited me to anything, you'll know how bad I am, okay? Because I think, oh, it's not till ages away and forget about it. But Jesus, the response date is always now. Follow me now. Follow me now. Take that step now. Some of you have been thinking about, should I get baptised? I'm a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you when you should get baptised. Now. Like I don't mean right now, this minute. But take the step. Sign up for it now, today. What about giving, financial giving? I ought to be giving financially. You know, when it all works out and when I can... No, 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 no. When Jesus prompts you and calls you to start giving financially, the RSVP date is now. Getting involved with serving. I had a great conversation with Erica on the camera here about serving, serving on the camera and loves kids work. And, and again, you know, think and wait. And, and, and there's so much opportunity and there's so much call for us to respond to Jesus, not then, but now. And we can help you with all of this. The growth track that we're running in February is gonna help you with all of these really important markers. And if you've not yet signed up for the growth track, it's three sessions. And whether you're on, in a location, whether you're online or whether you're in the room, there's three sessions, okay? And they take, it takes you through the vision and the values of the church and, and what makes us tick and who we are and what God's saying to us. But more important than that, it shows you how you can go on that journey of keep following Jesus. And along the ways, there are some key growth markers and we help you go through those growth markers. I wanna encourage you to say, God, I wanna follow you now. Sign up for the growth track. Here's how you can do it. It's on the screen here. Go to our website. If you're watching online, they'll drop it in the chat. If you're not in a connect group, sign up as an individual and, and me and some of the other staff, we're gonna have a big connect group with you guys and take you through that, get to know you. You'll get to know us a bit as well. But what we're doing by that is encouraging you and inviting you into a space where you can say, I wanna keep following. Even when it's tough, I wanna follow. When? Right now. Because a fan is fickle, but a follower is forever. And then the third one is whatever. What about that? Whatever, what about that? Don't you love how language is evolving, don't you? You know, I, I remember being young enough to, or young enough to remember when cool became a new word. Do you remember? Cool was the temperature's low, but then it became cool. And I remember wicked, do you remember wicked? and safe and sick. And, and now I ask some of our younger staff, what, what, what are the young people, like what are the, oh my goodness, I just, this blew my mind. So extra, she's so extra. I don't know what that means. He got all salty with me. I don't understand that. 
She's trying to flex over her Finster. What on earth does that mean? But years ago, the classic word was whatever. Do you remember? In 2009, whatever was voted the most irritating, annoying slang word of ever. Because whatever. How many of you have said whatever? Yeah, come on, be honest. Yeah, look at how many of you I see that hand. Whatever. Because whatever all of a sudden didn't mean whatever. It meant whatever, didn't it? Yeah, whatever. And you said to your parents, I don't know why I'm saying that kind of voice there, that accent going all camp on you. Really. But basically it's like whatever. And I think when it comes to following Jesus, our responses have got to be whatever, God. Not whatever, but whatever. Whatever you ask of me, I'll do. What about that? What about that? What about that? Last one, Luke chapter 9. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Again, sounds and reads really harsh. Culture is everything. To say goodbye to your family in a Jewish culture back in 2,000 years ago would have lasted weeks, if not months. And it's like, basically, Jesus sees the heart of this guy and he says, ah, you're saying, yeah, 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 I'm ready. I'm ready, whatever you say, but, but let me first go and do this. Actually, Jesus knew that this guy wasn't committed. This guy's not following him, whatever. He's kind of going, whatever. Let me, let me just go back and sort my family out first. Whatever, that's basically what he's saying. And Jesus is pushing into him to say, hey, if you want to follow, it's got to include that. And you might say, well, I'll follow you with this area, but not that area. I'll do this, but I won't do that. And Jesus is calling guys, listen, coming out of COVID, coming out into this situation where our world is so broken and fragmented. Jesus, I believe, is calling for a church who are totally sold out for Him. And I know you don't hear me say that because we're so conscious sometimes of people who are on a journey of faith. And if you are that person, we love you so much and we want you to take a step and don't be put off by this. But listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, I think Jesus is calling us to be totally sold out for Him, which means wherever you send us, whenever you send us and whatever you ask us to do. And for me, what's amazing is, is I look at all of this and, and it kind of boils into this verse in Mark chapter 8 and Jesus is heading here all the time. Oh, and this is so powerful. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit or lose their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And in this text, Jesus' voice is something that every single one of us passionately believes. We all want to save our life, right? Right? And we all know that one day we'll lose it, right? Because we'll all die. Jesus says you can try to save it, but you'll lose it. Or you can lose it and you'll save it. And here's the interesting thing. What would you give at that point in the future? When you know you're going to lose your life, what would you give at that point in the future to get your life back? What would you trade to get your soul? I want to suggest you trade anything. So here's the thing. Here's where I'm going. If you remember nothing else, remember this. Nothing that stops you following Jesus now will be worth it then. When you get to that point, when you come face to face with God and He's going to say, I'm going to give you your soul back and you're going to experience your life. Nothing, no relationship, no job, no car, no house, nothing 
no entertainment, no, no drug, no, no sexual thing, nothing will be worth it in exchange for your life. Nothing that stops you following Jesus will be worth it at that moment in life. A fan is fickle, but a follower is forever. And guys, I believe that the truth about tough times is this, that the hard is what makes it great, that the treasure is just behind the trouble, that the purpose is just beyond the pain. And when you and I keep following Jesus, when it's tough, I believe we experience the life that deep down all of us want to live. I want to introduce this character to you called William Borden. Some of you heard me talk about this guy before. I, I am blown away by this guy's story. He was um, born in the late 1800s and in 1904, he uh, graduated um, from high school and he was the heir to the Borden family fortune, incredibly wealthy guy. And at 16, he was uh, given a year off and given money by his parents to go travel around the world. And as he travelled around the world, he travelled to some of the poorest parts on the planet. And he was a follower of Jesus and God did something in him and he called him to follow him to the ends of the earth and to bring the truth about Jesus to the poorest people on the planet. And so he went back and told his family this and his family thought it was a complete waste and couldn't understand it. His friends thought it was a complete waste and couldn't understand it. He then went to Yale University where at Yale University, not only did he excel uh, in terms of his, of his academic stuff, but he was so passionate, he started a Bible study for his dorm. That Bible study grew into a Bible study of 1,300 young people trying to find Jesus together. Absolutely incredible. At the end of that, he went to Princeton and then at the end of that, he basically set sail to go to China. But he stopped in Egypt to learn some Arabic. And he was 25 and in Egypt, he got spinal meningitis and died. And at his funeral, many people said, what a waste of a life. Like he had all that money and he was so young and he felt God call him to go to the ends of the earth to talk about Jesus. He never even got there because he died of spinal meningitis in a hospital in Egypt. And what's amazing is that it wasn't a waste at all because there were 1,300 people who met God in the university with him. And at his death and on hearing his story, hundreds if not thousands of young people were so inspired that they left other stuff and went to serve Jesus. Now you don't have to leave your job and go to the other side of the world to follow Jesus. I'm not saying that. But basically, he lived and died with such an incredible passion to be a follower of Jesus, whatever the cost. And here's the thing that blows me away. At his funeral, his father was given William's Bible. And in William's Bible were written some little phrases. When his parents were given the Bible, they found these words after he renounced his fortune. No reserves. He'd just written in his Bible, no reserves. Then a little bit later, his parents said to him, you will never, ever enter the family business because of what you've done. And he wrote this, no retreats. And then while he was in Egypt, dying of spinal meningitis, he wrote in the end of his Bible, these two words, no regrets. I don't know about you, but that blows me away, doesn't it? There's a young man who said, I'll follow you wherever, whenever, and whatever. 
And it didn't work out like he wanted it to or he expected it to. But I'll tell you what, he gained his life. He didn't lose it. Because Jesus says, if you lose it for my sake, you'll gain it. But if you try and save it for your sake, you'll lose it. This is the truth about tough time. This is the truth about following Jesus. And it makes me think about all that crowd of people in John 6. Do you remember that? Like it was only a few minutes ago. It feels a long time ago. <laughs> we talked about that. All that crowd of people that pressed on follow. Do you know what happened to all of those people? No, neither do I. Because all of them who pressed on follow have disappeared from the page of history. But those who said, I'll follow you wherever, whenever and whatever, they're the ones we hear the stories about. They're the ones that inspire us. They're the ones that I think in the book of Hebrews are part of the great cloud of witnesses encouraging us on to keep following Him. And isn't it true that some of those people on the day that they heard or they saw that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, I wonder how many of them regretted pressing on follow on that day. When it got so tough and so difficult, I wonder how many of them said, oh, if only I hadn't have quit when I quit. And I do wonder, guys, whether some of us, even in this room, some of us in the location, some of us watching online right now, are in the moment, in the process of pressing on follow and quitting on following Jesus. And we're quitting just at the point where we might have a breakthrough. And listen, if we quit too soon, we run the risk of losing the soul, the life that God has for us. So what I want to do, we are going to spend some time now singing, worshipping, connecting with Jesus. But I want to encourage you to do this. You know, the key thing for me, whenever life is tough, is where's my eyes? Where's my gaze? Because if I put my eyes on what's tough, even if I put my eyes on what I have to give up, do you know what I mean? On the opportunity, on the money, on the relationship, on the challenge. Whatever. If I put my eyes there, I'm in trouble. But if I turn my eyes towards Jesus, the one I'm following, everything else goes into perspective, doesn't it? And I'm, we're going to do it, such an old song for you this morning. This is a song that we used to sing in the church that I grew up in. And many of you older folks will know this. Some of you younger people probably won't. But it's such a beautiful and simple little song. And it just says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. And if you're in the locations, I want to encourage you to stand right now as well. Guys, if you're watching online, you can stand if you want, if it's safe. But I want to pray for you. And as I pray for you, I want to ask you that as we sing this song, as the guys come and lead us in this song, don't just sing it, but say, Lord, in the light of this, in the light of this challenge, in the light of this difficulty, in the light of this thing that, 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 that I can't give up, that, that I don't want to give up, and I know you're calling me to give it up, in the light of that, Lord, I want to turn my eyes towards you. And I want to pray for you right now. And then we're going to worship. We're going to just see what God does in this moment. Let me pray. Father, thank You so much that Jesus never pulls punches. And, and Jesus, You were really clear that follow me is an invitation for all of us 
doesn't matter what we believe. It doesn't matter how we behave. We can just follow You. We can have no faith and we can just follow You. But Jesus, You were also clear that as that relationship grows and develops, there is more to it than just follow me. There's follow me when life gets tough. There's follow me when I have to give up things I don't want to give up, when I have to pick up things I don't want to pick up. There's follow me when almost like I don't want to, but I'm going to because who else? Where else will I go? Who else would I go to? Who else would I follow other than You? So Jesus, today, we turn our eyes towards You. Why don't You just for a sec, just put your hands out, right? This for a second, for a moment. And let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come right now. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit just to talk and meet every single one of you here in the room or if you're watching online or wherever. Jesus, we invite You by Your Spirit as we turn our eyes on You, that thing that's so big, that's so difficult, that's so painful, I pray that it will go strangely dim in the light of Your glory and grace. And so now, Lord, as we worship You, we wanna recommit many of us, our lives to You. We wanna apologise and say, God, we're so sorry that we've been so fickle like fans. We wanna be followers forever. Lord, we'll only do that if we keep our eyes fixed on You. In Jesus' Name, Amen.